Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Today's epistle reading comes from selected verses of chapter 12 of Paul's letter to the Romans. Listen now to the word of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, on the basis of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal, but be aglow with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Our gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. Listen once again for the word of the Lord. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me, for behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. 
he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his posterity forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What do you do when God takes everything from you? When God takes all of the items that remind you of a better time, when God takes away the relationships that have shaped you into who you are, when there is absolutely nothing left, what do you do when God takes even more? Not just the things that belong to you, but what do you do when God takes away so much there isn't anything of you left? You become the type of living sacrifice Paul writes about in Romans. You become a living testament to who God is. You come to see yourself as you really are, as you are when your relationship with God is the source of your identity, not your job, not the clothing you wear or the music you listen to. Instead, when God takes everything from you, you are left with the one thing that cannot be taken away, the love of God. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was probably between 12 and 14 years old when Jesus was born. It comes as no surprise that in her culture, she had no power, no social power, no political power, no bodily autonomy, and because her family was poor, no real hope for a future. So we can understand Mary on two different levels in Luke's gospel. On a superficial level, she's a symbol for the powerless and weak. She is emblematic of every person who lives and dies at the whim of their society. There's nothing particularly special about her. On a deeper level, she is a young girl, a person, with a profound love for God. Her deep faith has reoriented her life as she pursues God's call on her life. She believes her life is significant. It's meaningful and rich with possibility. And from her perspective, God is not only involved directly in her life, God is on her side. Through these two different lenses, we might walk away with two vastly different interpretations of Mary's life. Viewed through the lens of her powerlessness, Mary is someone with nothing who loses everything. She has nothing of worth to begin with, nothing to offer, and still God takes everything away from her. Beginning with her engagement to Joseph, Mary's pregnancy threatens to ruin her pending marriage. Her pregnancy threatens her physical health. Her being pregnant out of wedlock undoubtedly complicated her social relationships, her friendships. She can't even name the firstborn son she has because God has chosen a name for her. Once Jesus grows up, his ministry leads him away from the place of his birth and therefore away from his mother. And in a time when infant and child mortality rates were painfully high, Mary might have rejoiced at the fact that her son survived into adulthood. But even this is taken away 
as Jesus dies on the cross for a crime he did not commit. Mary had nothing to begin with, and still God takes everything from her. But if this is true, if, if Mary is someone with nothing who goes on to lose everything because of God, how can we explain her song to God in today's scripture? Her words resist this understanding of her identity. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary, as a symbol for the powerless, has no place in this song to God. Mary, as a fully-fledged person with a vibrant inner life and a close connection to God, makes perfect sense as the author of this song. Mary, the 12-year-old girl who travels some 70 miles to visit Elizabeth in response to the angel's message, Mary, who spends the first trimester of her pregnancy serving Elizabeth, this is the Mary of Scripture. And so it is the second understanding of Mary's identity that is the more faithful interpretation, the interpretation that foregrounds the thoughts, beliefs, and faithfulness of a young girl inspired by a word from God. The interpretation that sees the full humanity of Mary, in which God is not the one who takes everything of importance, rather, God is the one who has done great things for her, who has regarded her low estate, and who knows who she really is. When we see Mary as she really is, we adopt the divine perspective. We no longer see Mary as a victim of circumstance as one who lives and dies at the whim of her society. Instead, we see a young person, maybe not yet a teenager, who has already been shaped into a pillar of faith. We see someone well acquainted with hardship, oppression, and in spite of it all calls God her savior. She has taken only the first step on her journey with God and already, she is ready to declare with certainty that God is not the one who takes from those who have nothing, but rather, God is the one who has scattered the proud, who has brought down the mighty from their thrones, who has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Mind you, these things have not happened yet. Herod and Caesar sit comfortably on their thrones while Jesus is born in a structure fit for livestock. But with the certainty of faith, Mary speaks in past tense because she has chosen to live not as things are, but as things will be. God is using the weak to upset the strong. God is taking those with nothing to offer and using them to offer the only thing that matters. Mary is not an example of human weakness. She is the exemplar of divine strength. As if Mary is not enough to make this point, God sends the infant, Jesus, to reiterate the point. Because if we think Mary, the pregnant and unwed young woman, had nothing going for her, nothing to offer, then we might, we might well think the same about this baby boy, born with a bounty on his head, as, Ma as Matthew's Gospel tells us. 
This is the image of God's power entering the world. As the prophet Simeon says in Luke chapter 2, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. God is using the weak to upset the strong. God is using humility to shame the proud. God is showing favor to the unfavored. But let's not get ahead of ourselves because none of this is true yet. The baby Jesus grows into a man and remains powerless. He leaves his mother to pursue his ministry and rejects power, rejects wealth and pride. In taking after his mother, he gives up everything to follow God. And having nothing, he gives his own life. In the cross, we see the culmination of God's plan. We see with horrifying clarity the mistake we have made because we have confused the brutality of this world for power. We have conflated opulence and waste with true wealth. And we have imagined God to be a ruler when he comes to us as a servant. If we cannot understand Mary and her story, we have no chance of understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the cross, the proclamations of Mary are made true. In the death of Jesus, he becomes our savior. In his humility, humanity is brought near to God. So what do you do when God takes everything from you? When there is absolutely nothing left, what happens when God takes even more? When your financial, political, and social power is stripped away, when, you, when the relationships you thought made you whole are removed, when every measure of safety is removed and you are left vulnerable like an infant child, or a young woman. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. In our powerlessness, we meet God. In our inadequacy, God becomes our portion. In our sin, we come to know God's grace. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell within me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. God is using the weak to show us what true strength is. This is the good news for us today, because on this side of the cross, Mary's song is made true. You who are looked down upon by the world, God sees you. You who have been crushed by the powers of this world, God exalts you. 
You who are hungry, God will fill you with good things. Because the God we serve is not repulsed by our weakness, he joins with us in it. So let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness. And being found in appearance as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.